You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Good morning, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Jason Rezaian. I'm an opinions writer here at the Washington Post. I'm honored today to be joined by Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman uh, to discuss a very important topic, ongoing efforts to bring home wrongfully detained Americans and those held hostage abroad. Deputy Secretary Sherman, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you, Jason. It's good to be with you. It's particularly good to be with you in Washington, D.C., rather than you being in a prison cell in Tehran. Before we begin, I think it's it's worth noting that um, Deputy Secretary Sherman is joining us today in her diplomatic capacity, and I in a journalistic one, uh, but we share uh, a unique backstory. Um, As many of you might know, Uh, When I was the bureau chief for the post in Tehran, I was wrongfully detained for 544 days. During much of that time, uh, Deputy Secretary Sherman was the lead negotiator in ongoing negotiations between the U.S., Iran, and other world powers over Iran's nuclear program uh, and had a lot to do with efforts to bring me home. So this is is personal for both of us, uh, and I'm really excited to have you on the program today. Thank you. Great to be with you. I I want to start by asking a question about the recent uh, executive order around hostage and uh, wrongful detentions that President Biden uh, announced over the summer. Uh, He declared this a national emergency. Uh, Why now? What's changed in recent months or years that has made this such a, a critical issue? I think we've seen governments uh, use hostage taping as a tool, as a weapon. Uh, to leverage um, things from the United States of America. And the president, just like Secretary Blinken, understands in a very powerful way what this means for families uh, when their loved ones are taken in this way, when they are wrongfully detained. You know, the United States has a responsibility to care for American citizens wherever they are in the world. Uh, whether they lose their passport and need help, uh, whether they find themselves uh, in legal jeopardy, uh, or if they find themselves wrongfully detained and in a number of other circumstances as well. That is a a fundamental responsibility of the United States. Um, But the president, uh, in addition, uh, just feels in the most heartfelt way uh, that he has to do everything he can to bring Americans home who are wrongfully detained. I think most people know because it's in the press that he's meeting today, in fact, with the family of Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan uh, to talk with them about our ongoing efforts uh, to bring them home uh, from Russia. Uh, And so uh, the president wants to do everything possible and Secretary Blinken does as well. Um, So this executive order was a way to give the administration new tools to have the whole of government approach to use everything we have possible uh, to uh, ensure that we get every single American home who has been unjustly detained. Just yesterday, I was uh, up on the Hill giving testimony uh, to members of Congress on this very issue. And you talk about the whole of government approach. Uh, as the, the caseload increases, more and more members of Congress have constituents uh, who have been affected by this. Uh, dozens currently, and probably you know, more than 150 or so over the past few years. 
Um, so I, I do think that there is um, a, a rising consciousness around this this issue that we haven't seen before. But one of the things that that, that President Biden uh, wrote in the executive order. Uh, is that this is a, a an economic and a national security threat. I think previously we always thought of this as a personal problem that affects a handful of Americans. But but talk about the geopolitical dimensions of this and, and the challenges of balancing those two aspects of it. Well, as uh, you know, Jason, uh, one of the things that Secretary Blinken has done uh, is to create what we call a, a D indicator in our travel advisories to Americans who are traveling abroad. Uh, we have nine risk indicators uh, for Americans who are traveling, uh, whether it may be that there's a health issue um, that they should be aware of, uh, whether in fact uh, there is an issue of crime or kidnapping, uh, but now we have a D indicator if in fact a country is using uh, the detention, unjust detention of Americans as leverage, uh, economic leverage, uh, geopolitical leverage. Those countries that currently have a D indicator are Burma, the People's Republic of China, Iran, uh, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela. So what we're saying is these are countries that have held Americans uh, that under the Levinson Act, which was passed in honor of Robert Levinson, uh, you know this case well, an American who has been missing uh, in Iran for many years now. Uh, and so the Levinson Act basically uh, gave us a, a framework uh, for dealing with these um, illegal, unjust uh, detentions uh, and ensuring that we take action uh, to bring Americans home. So the D indicator is one more tool to say to Americans, know that if you travel to these countries, even though many of these countries already have a do not travel, we want yeah. people to understand why they shouldn't travel to a given country. And uh, countries that unjustly detain Americans over a period of time or in numbers, uh, get that D indicator. Uh, and we hope uh Americans pay attention. I want to follow up on that. It's, it's a very important uh, development, and I think you know Americans, when they uh, decide to travel abroad, they should consult the uh, State Department's website uh, for advice on on uh, recommendations how to protect themselves, places that they should or should not go. Uh, but there are several countries that we have friendly relationships with that that have done this over the years as well: Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. Uh, at, at what point um, might we see countries like those or others on this list? I mean, is this a, a static list or is it one that, that could grow or contract if these countries change their policies? This is not a static list. Uh, countries uh, can, uh, as we say, uh, sort of uh, graduate uh, to getting a D indicator if they do this on a regular basis, if they do it over time, if they increase the numbers, there are certain steps in, in this effort. So it won't be static. And one of the things I, I really want people to understand, and uh, Jason, you know this very personally, I'm gonna ask you a question in a minute, um, is that we take each of these circumstances and make a determination about whether someone has been unjustly detained and meets the requirements of the Levinson Act. Um, it's not every American who might be jailed because sometimes Americans do things that are illegal, that are crimes, 
uh, and it is not an unjust detention. But we look at things like, have they gotten a fair trial, a fair judicial process? Uh, have they been uh, leveraged and weaponized uh, in geopolitical terms? Uh, are they getting harsh treatment uh, that doesn't befit whatever has gone on? Are they being used uh, in a way to make a political point? All of these are part of what goes in uh, to the Secretary of State making a determination if somebody has been unjustly detained. And then we look at each country and figure out the best strategy. We have a, an entire office led by Ambassador Roger Carstens, uh, and their entire job is to think about, work on, uh, deal with these cases every single day. Uh, it is a very high priority for the president, very high priority for the Secretary of State. And I guess it would probably be helpful uh, to those listening to hear from you, Jason, about what it's like to be someone who is unjustly detained uh, and how you keep your hope up, uh, how your family kept their hope up uh, while this was going on. Well, it's an, it's um, rare for me to be put in the hot seat like that, but uh, I'm happy to answer that question. Uh, it's It's a horrible fate to be uh, an American detained abroad completely unjustly without the opportunity uh, or the resources to properly defend yourself. Uh, in my case, I was being held in Iran with uh, the entire Islamic Republic's uh, resources uh, being weaponized against me. Their judiciary, their foreign ministry, uh, when they would come uh, speak in public uh, about their ongoing negotiations with the United States, uh, would throw me you know, deeper into the ditch that I was already in. Their propaganda networks at home uh, sullied my reputation. They even produced a 30-episode uh, television series uh, about my supposed crimes. Uh, it's, it's a horrible thing, and I think that that's not something that, that most Americans can actually uh, comprehend, but unfortunately, a growing number of us are. Um, and and I, a, a question that, that I have is, you know, Secretary Blinken has, has spoken often about um, the deterrence to this practice. You and I have spoken about what we can do uh, as the United States of America with partner countries to make this practice less attractive and costlier uh, for nation states who do it. Um, and and, and I, I know without telegraphing what's going on behind the scenes, there is a lot of work happening on this. How much of it can you share with us? Well, what I can share is you're absolutely right. Um, one of the things that Secretary Blinken has charged all of us with is to make sure that this isn't only about dealing with individual cases, but that we develop policy and try to establish a norm around the world that this is not uh, something that countries should do. Uh, and so uh, led really by Canada, uh, which had some of its own cases, um, uh, best known as the two Michaels um, that were held in the People's Republic of China, which were who were uh, eventually freed. Um, Canada has led the way in putting together a declaration that's signed on by over 60 countries now. Uh, and we are working with the Canadians and others uh, to perhaps put together a collection of countries uh, that can really work all around the world uh, to say that this is a norm it should be established that people should not be taken uh, and be used as a tool uh, for geopolitical, economic, uh, or any other reason for that matter. 
This, as you know, is a, a subject that I've been thinking a lot about since uh, my release almost seven years ago. You and I have been discussing it since almost that time, uh, along with uh, colleagues of yours from the Obama administration, now from the Biden administration, folks in the Trump administration. It's something that I think about a lot. Um, and one of the, uh, the ideas that keeps coming up in, in conversations is, you know, this is a, a practice that's been going on for thousands of years. Uh, some people believe uh, that it's a, a problem without a solution. I get the sense for the first time that we are dealing with an administration who believes that while they might not know exactly what the solution is, it's out there somewhere. Um, is that fair to say? And is the consensus within uh, the State Department, the NSC, Homeland Security, uh, and the White House that we can figure this problem out? There's certainly a determination to do that, Jason. It's not simple. I don't want to kid people. This is hard um, because uh, we really have to work all over the globe uh, to say that this is not a tool that governments should use. Uh, that human beings are not bargaining chips uh, and should not be unjustly detained in these ways and used in these ways. You know, when people ask me what's the hardest thing about being uh, in my role or being a diplomat, I've been lucky enough, this is the fifth Secretary of State I've had uh, the ability to work for and with. Um, the hardest thing I do is meeting with families. Uh, I met with and talked with your family, your brother, on a regular basis, as you know, who was a tremendous advocate for you, as was the rest of your family, just never stopped pushing. I've met with Austin Tice's mother. Uh, I've met with others, uh, uh, all many of the uh, Iranian families of the four that are currently detained unjustly in Iran that we're trying to get out. Um, these are brutal meetings. I've met with uh, Christine Levinson. Uh, these are just brutal meetings because uh, the pain is so deep and so difficult. And uh, I'm sure that the president's meeting today uh, with the Whalens and with uh, 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 Griner's uh, wife will just be heartbreaking uh, because you want to do everything you can. Um, to get Americans home. And then you want to work as hard as you can uh, to really establish a norm around the world and a, an imperative uh, that countries not use this tool. Uh, it is really not a tool. It is a horror show uh, for the people who are imprisoned and for the families who are desperate uh, for their release. I think that that you hit the nail on the head. You know, this is a a, a two pronged problem, right? Um, the the safe, healthy, speedy return of uh, Americans, uh, and the long term uh, problem of trying to make this harder in the long run. We see the case ri numbers rising uh, almost exponentially, um, and I, I want to ask a question about China. Um, right now, human rights groups believe that there are at least 200 Americans who are um, under travel bans, unable to leave China to come back. Dozens of others wrongfully detained. Uh, we already have a tense relationship with, with China. Uh, there's so many issues that we have to deal with. Um, how do you factor this, this into to that? 
uh, with the myriad of other problems that, that, that we're faced with on a daily basis. Um, it is a high priority, as I think uh, you know, uh, probably uh, quite some months ago, I went to Tianjin. Uh, I've been fortunate uh, to be the senior American official who's actually gone to China during this administration uh, because it has been a very difficult relationship. Uh, out of the conversations that I had with uh, Foreign Minister Wang Yi and with uh, Vice Minister Jiafang, uh, a set of working groups were set up uh, and uh, led by a State Department official on our side. Uh, and those working groups uh, were dealt with a number of issues. Uh, and one of them was uh, these exit bans and Americans who we believe were unjustly detained. And we have made some progress. Uh, it is hard work. One has to figure out what's meaningful to the PRC uh, that would help to get Americans home. Uh, we are going to continue to work those cases. Uh, the president raised those cases in his conversation by name with um, uh, President Xi Jinping. Uh, Secretary Blinken has raised those cases uh, by name in his meetings with Wang Yi. Uh, Jake Sullivan has raised those cases by name uh, with uh, State Counselor uh, Yang Yichur, uh, and we are continuing to work on them. As I've said, we've had some success, uh, and we will continue uh, to work hard uh, to deal with all of those cases. Talk a bit about the the tightening bonds between Moscow and Beijing, um, and and how we are uh, going to. Um, to meet those challenges in the short term, the medium term, and the long term? Well, that's a very big question. Uh, I certainly I don't have all the answers uh, today. But what I will say is that, you know, there's no doubt we've seen, uh, we've just seen uh, President Putin and President Xi Jinping meet uh, in Samarkand on the margins of the uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization meeting. Um, I think that this is a uh, relationship of convenience, uh, not necessarily one of trust uh, or one that uh, will uh, combine their efforts on all things. Uh, it was quite interesting that President Putin uh, made a remark that he knew that Xi Jinping had concerns about what he was doing in Ukraine. Uh, very interesting for Putin to say that. I'm sure that Xi Jinping uh, is looking for advantage. Uh, while Russia is uh, continuing its unprovoked, premeditated, and horrifying uh, invasion of Ukraine, a sovereign country, um, because uh, Xi Jinping has constantly talked about uh, sovereignty and territorial integrity. Uh, so uh, this doesn't square with the principles that he wants uh, for his own views, uh, whether it's about Hong Kong or Tibet or Taiwan. Uh, so uh, I think this is uh, not a, a full-flown marriage uh, in all ways, shapes, and form, but they are certainly going to work together, uh, but they will also work uh, for advantage with each other. Many people believe, uh, and uh, it's been in the papers, that China is looking to press advantage in Central Asia uh, because of Russia's uh, attention elsewhere in the world. Uh, so we will have to work hard at this. Uh, Secretary Blinken uh, gave a speech uh, uh, several weeks ago uh, that set out our framework on our relationship with the PRC. Uh, we certainly 
uh, want to align with our partners and allies around the world. Uh, we want to uh, compete with China on America's future uh, and the future of the world, uh, but we want to do that uh, under the rules-based international order, not the set of rules that China is trying to create for its own self, even though it has risen in part because of that rules-based order. Uh, we will cooperate with the PRC when it's in our interest on issues like climate change and global health, uh, but there is definitely going to be a very uh, decisive decade here, as the president says, uh, as we deal with this pacing challenge. We also have to invest. The third pillar of this strategy is to invest at home. Uh, we've seen what President Biden has done uh, in investing in infrastructure at home, uh, the recent Inflation Reduction Act uh, to really help Americans here at home, uh, what we've done in the CHIPS Act to make sure that we grow our semiconductor industry, uh, that we deal with supply chain issues around the world uh, so that we have resilience uh, here at home for whatever comes. Uh, the president is putting in place all of the pieces of the puzzle to make sure that we are strong at home and we are able to compete abroad. Thank you for that. Um, I, I want to turn back to Iran, which you know is the subject that brought you and I together in the first place. Um, nuclear talks seem to have stalled again. Um, coming into uh, the new administration in 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 2021, there was a lot of hope that um, we would be able to quickly rejoin the JCPOA. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, that's become complicated. Do you think we'll get back to it? Um, I understand that diplomacy is never something that you're going to fully abandon, but what are the prospects at this point? Well, we're at a stalemate in, in the sense that uh, Iran, uh, in the latest round of negotiations, have given us back a pretty tough response, uh, one that's unacceptable to us. Uh, we've sent back a message about uh, what we believe is necessary uh, and what are critical elements here. Uh, and uh, this is in Iran's court. Uh, the president uh, will continue uh, to look for ways to move forward as long as we believe uh, that it makes sense to do so. We are planning for any eventuality, uh, whether the deal happens or the deal doesn't happen, uh, the president still believes it is in our interest to pursue the deal and will continue to do so as long as that is the case. I want to say two really important things. The president of the United States, the secretary of state, secretary of defense, believe that Iran must never get a nuclear weapon. Uh, we believe that returning to the JCPOA is the best way to ensure that, uh, but we will be prepared uh, for every eventuality if the deal does not come to pass. And the second thing I want to say, going back to the original purpose of this conversation, is getting families reunited and people home is a very high priority, the highest priority in many ways. Uh, and it is not dependent upon whether the JCPOA happens or doesn't happen. We are pursuing bringing Americans unjustly detained in Iran home regardless of what happens with the JCPOA. And that work is continuing and will continue until those Americans are safe and home and back with their families. 
I, I don't want uh, to uh, to press for too many details about efforts beyond the ones that we see um, publicly, uh, but I am the recipient of uh, those sorts of efforts that were done behind closed doors, um, efforts that um, that you initiated, um, and I, I hope that that kind of will uh, exist. Uh, Siamak Namazi, who was uh, detained uh, along with me uh, at that that time, uh, now coming up on seven years in prison, wrote in an op-ed not too long ago. I can conclude only that with greater political will and courage from the White House, we could have been home a year ago. Uh, I, my heart breaks every time uh, I see Siamak Namazi's name, every time I speak with a member of his family. Um, and and I, I, I certainly hope that, um, that that they are reunited as quickly as humanly possible. There is nothing that I can say that takes away that pain. That's very real. Uh, and okay. I, I can I, I have spoken, as I said, with many of the families, and it is it is one of the hardest things any of us do. Uh, because uh, I understand what uh, Siamak uh, Namazi has written. Uh, what I can say to him, to his family, uh, to you, is that there is an ongoing effort uh, with great determination uh, and, and enormous focus uh, to bring him home, uh, his father as well, and the other Americans that are unjustly detained in Iran. We are just about out of time. Uh, Deputy Secretary, I've really appreciated the opportunity. You and I have been trying to uh, to do this for quite some time, and I'm, I'm glad that we were able to make schedules align. And uh, it's such an important issue, one that um, that affects all Americans, whether they know it or not. Uh, and and um, I appreciate you offering your insights and, and time uh, today. Thank you, um, Jason. I am really grateful that you continue to put a spotlight on this really tough issue. Um, you bring your own horrifying personal experience uh, to it, but you also bring your journalistic know-how um, to keep the focus on this, make sure Americans know uh, that they think about where they travel and what they do, um, and that they give their support uh, to these families who are so desperate uh, to have their loved ones home. And I just wanna leave everyone with the message that this is such a high priority for the president, for the secretary of state. And every day we are focused on everything we can do to solve each of these problems case by case. They're all different. They all take different strategies, um, but we are determined. And we're determined as well to create a norm uh, so that someday, uh, this does not continue to happen. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.